Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's going on, guys? Welcome to River City 93, brought to you by Roughneck Scarves, For the Culture Podcast, Icarus FC, and the Couples Game. Um, on today's podcast, we have our newest signee, Kyle Vintner, joining us. For those who don't know, Kyle joined the Richmond Kickers after one season at FC Tucson. Uh, we talk about him being an MLS Cup champion at an early age, what his second favorite town in the whole wide world might be, and other exciting things. So, Sit back, enjoy the podcast, and always like, view, and subscribe. Joining us on the phone today is Kyle Vintner. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. That's good. That's good. I wanted to make sure I get your last name right before I ruin it, you know. Yeah, there you go. Crossing <laughs> all the T's, dotting all the I's. I like yeah, it. Yeah, you know, exactly. So, I wanted to ask you a very simple question. Um, how did you fall in love with the game of soccer? How did you start playing it? Um. Well, yeah, I mean, starting to play it is probably the easier question to answer to start. Um you know, it was just the first sport that, honestly, my family got me into. Um, and I played a lot of sports growing up. But soccer was the one that I started with. Um, and, you know, it just, it just, uh, I guess I can put it this way. I fell in love much more with the competition and being part of a team than really anything else. And soccer just happened to be what I was you know above average or extremely good at um you know i played baseball i played basketball lacrosse a lot of these things but soccer was always the one that just kind of was there and it stuck with me and and uh, that's what i decided to go with so um i'm much more uh fell in love with the competition and the team aspect you know trying to accomplish something you know with a group of guys you know all that kind of stuff and it's just that's what is more fun to me than than really anything Oh, okay, so there's a weird possibility. I could be talking to Cal, the baseball player, or Cal, the hockey player of your family, who's just like, eh, we don't know about soccer, right? 100%. To be honest with you, like, my, my family grew up, like, uh, my dad and my mom both grew up in the age where, like, you played kind of the big, the big three or whatever you want to call it, you know, where you played baseball, basketball, football type thing. Yeah. So for me to kind of be into soccer and and to, to grow in that environment, um, if you kind of looked at it from a 30,000 foot view of my life, like it's kind of, it would probably be kind of weird just because like, okay, his parents knew nothing about soccer. Um, so why would that be the one that stuck? Um, so yeah, very much so, you know, if that would have stuck somewhere different, um, but everything happens for a reason and, and you are where you're supposed to be in life. Um, and, and soccer and, and the people that, that I've been able to meet through soccer, you know, that's where I'm supposed to be and, and, and kind of, get uh get feedback off them and continue to grow in it all so 
Okay, okay. Um, well, I also saw that you started, you know, your college career at New Mexico Lobos. I have to ask first: Are the team is the team still around? The soccer team? No, sadly, uh, this past fall season was the first year the athletics department decided to discontinue the program um, about a year ago. Oh man! Um, and so it was. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's not something that sits well with me or anybody that's ever been around or involved with that program. Um, you know, when you when when you know how you did things and the way that, you know, the impact you had on the community and things like that. Um, and then just as much as you give to the school and, and give to the program and, you know, because some people didn't decided to not handle money right within the department and things like that, you know, your sport and other sports, because I don't want to diminish some of the other sports that got cut in this whole progress or uh, process, um, you know, with a swipe of a pen, it gets all taken away and, and people don't get those opportunities at that institution anymore. So, um, it's not something that sits well with me. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, it's something that can also come back. I'm hoping it's not a for like a, a for sure done deal as far as it'll never come back. Um, and so I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping in the future that that, that program can make a comeback. Well, we hope so. Definitely. Um, but just wanted to talk about your time at New Mexico. Like, what are some of the differences of playing college soccer versus pro soccer that you're obviously playing now that some people might be unaware of? Um, I mean, the, the different, I mean, let me put it this way. There's, there's, there's more differences now um, that I believe is there than, than there was back when I kind of went into college um, just because of the landscape of, of the men's side of the game now with, you know, the best players now aren't all going to college because of the landscape of having League One and, and championship teams and, and homegrown deals that these best players are all signing and not going to college. Now, the level in college is still high enough um, that it makes it a great avenue um, for for kids to, to go down. And, you know, every every institution presents something different um, and, and, and offers something different for each athlete. Um, but I mean, you can, you can really point like, what's the difference in a pro environment. You know, it's an everyday thing. It's a lifestyle. You know, you, there is, there's not really any school, obviously, um, unless people choose to, um, versus in college, you are a student, you know, first, um, and, and academics should take priority in that, in that case. Um, and just that, you know, there's so many rules that strap you down with, you know, can you practice with the coaches at this time of the year and what the hour restrictions are and all that kind of stuff. So I would just say that obviously being a pro, like it is a lifestyle rather than in college. Like it's something you're doing, but with the rules and the way it's set up, it doesn't necessarily allow you yet to, to kind of fully flourish um, depending on where you are and just the way the rules kind of strap you down. So, Okay. So, you know, my next question is going to be, so, you know what I'm going to ask you? Um, what did you major in when you were at New Mexico? So, I got a chance to major in, I got to double concentrate in business administration degree with a concentration in human resource management and organizational leadership. Oh, okay. Okay. So, that sounds like a whole bunch that I could never do with myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of people-based stuff. Um, you know, I... You know, you can attach whatever word you want to it as far as being a people person or an extrovert or anything like that. But, um, you know, being part of teams and things like that, it's so much easier for me to be around people and deal with people 
um, of all walks of life and shapes of life um, than to be crunching numbers as an accountant or finance or anything like that. So it's just something that really kind of appealed to me once I decided that business is what I wanted to go into. Um, and I just thought that there was, with that degree, there was just a lot of capabilities with it um, and a lot of possibilities and avenues out there for me to explore post-soccer um, whenever that whenever that day comes. Wow, okay, okay, I feel you. I feel you. Well, what is one of your strongest parts of your game? Like, what is, everyone knows you for your aerial duels and how good you are in the air, but what is something that, you know, you want to put a shine on this year or that some people don't really expect from you as much as a player? Uh, I, I think one of my strongest suits and, and what people notice pretty quickly um, is, is how vocal I am on the field. Um, you know, I take a lot of pride in being able to help my teammates, you know, be where they need to be to, to you know, execute the game plan and to, to put their abilities and their talents to use, um, trying to help them. You know, I see from, from where I'm at as a center back, I see more of the field than they all do. And so for them to have the confidence that I'm going to help get them in the right positions and, and then to let their instincts take over, um, you know, that's, that's something I take a lot of pride in. Um, you know, I consider myself a coach on the field. Um, and so some of the best of my abilities helping to execute the game plan and, and do whatever we need and help get the team in the place and, and execute whatever Darren wants us to do. Um, so I think that's, that's probably something people will notice pretty quickly. Um, it's just how vocal I am. And, and, and that kind of presence on the field. So, all right, you're saying that you're very local. Are you like the Bob Knight kind of vocal, or are you more of like the LeBron James kind of vocal, the more like, hey, guys, we can do it, we can, you know, come together? Are you like Bob Knight throwing chairs and stuff? It depends on how the game's going. There's a lot of contributing factors. <laughs> um, it depends how the ref's doing. It, it just depends. It, it really does. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, and I think, you know, to be honest, it can, it can ride a roller coaster throughout a game. There can be good moments and bad moments and, and things all in between. Um, but for the most part, it's a, it's a very, uh, determined and trying to accomplish the mission type of vocal. Mm. And so there's sometimes during that, that you cannot be nice about what you're going to say. Um, to a teammate or things like that. It's got to be kind of a demanding tone. Um, and then there's other times where you can relax a little bit more and it's more of a kind of arm around the shoulder type of tone, um, kind of that uplifting, positive, keep going, keep going type of type of tone. Okay, okay. Um, so another question I have for you. If you can go back and talk to the younger self, not you as a baby, um, what's one piece of advice that you would give to yourself as a younger you? Yeah, I think uh, the one, what I would tell myself, especially going through those kind of middle teenage years into high school and even into college, uh, you know, looking back is, is just to control what you can have control over. So control your controllables. You know, I think so, it's so easy to get wrapped up in things that, that we have no control over. And so it's so easy to stress on those and, and stress on things that, that frankly don't matter because, and, and the way the advice would go is that if you can control something, why would you stress about it? And if you can't control something, why would you stress about it? And so I think to have that kind of perspective um, 
at those ages at, during those years when you know a bunch of stuff is happening both whatever in athletics out of athletics in school out of school social life all that kind of stuff um to be able to have that kind of perspective would have been really good okay okay yeah, that that's solid advice so let's get back to your player career after you left new mexico you uh got drafted by la uh galaxy in the mls super draft how was that whole experience you know tell us about that is it anything like the nfl draft you know or is it totally different uh, it is nowhere near like the <laughs> NFL draft. Uh, that is on another, that's like comparing, at least right now, that's like comparing, uh, like a local carnival that comes to town to like Disneyland or Cirque du Soleil or something like that. Like, it's just, it's not quite there yet, but it's such a cool, it was such a cool environment. Um, you know, when I got to go to the super draft, um, it was in Philadelphia, and so obviously being in the Northeast, there's a lot of different MLS teams that are kind of in that corridor. And so you had a lot of their supporters groups that were there. I think you had D.C. United, you had Philadelphia, you had uh, both New York teams because that was the year that Orlando City and NYFC uh, were coming in. And so you had a lot of that. You had that whole atmosphere. So you got chanting going on. You know, it's a, it was a really cool environment. Um, and to be able to actually be there um, – made it all that more special to have your name called and be able to walk up on stage and, and then let the, uh, let the show begin after that. So, wow. wow. So any wild stories or anything out of the ordinary that happened to you while you got drafted? Uh, nothing out of the ordinary other than I wasn't planning on going to Philadelphia from the MLS combine down in Florida. Um, that's something that was a spur of the moment. Agent said the league would like me to go. I packed for beach weather and all of a sudden I'm in the Northeast in the middle of winter um, with, with not much um, as far as clothing to, to deal with that. And then as well as having to get a suit for the draft and, and that was kind of the only weird, crazy story about it all. Um, but, you know, like I said, looking back on it, wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one of those experiences that, um, you know, it makes everything worth it and when you can kind of look back on it and it's like, yeah, that was really cool. That's something a lot of people don't get to do. Okay, okay. So you were there in 2014 with Landon Donovan and I'm trying to think, like Roy Keane and Bruce Bruce Arena, you know, at the peak of their powers. How was it walking into that team, going to practice with those guys and like also winning MLS, MLS Cup as a rookie in the league? Like how was that? <laughs> It was a pretty uh, surreal kind of year, just in everything. Um, so if you take it from December to December, um, you go from finishing out your college career where everybody would like to finish their college career out at, at the College Cup. Um, now, we didn't win the national championship, but to be one of the last four teams playing in college soccer was was pretty outrageous, and especially to be... Um, one of the seniors to go out that way, you know, it's hard. You made it to the last weekend that they play college soccer in December in the fall season. So go from there to literally to the next December to winning MLS Cup is it's kind of it's kind of surreal, and I still look back on it, and, it, and it's hard to kind of fathom. Um, everything getting from that 
point to that point and then everything that happened in between. Um, but yeah, the first impressions when I got to LA, I'm not sure I really appreciated it until I was kind of in the thick of it all. Um, what I was walking into, um, I walked into an organization that, that knows they're going to win, expects to win. And they have the personalities within the organization to make sure that happens. And so that, that's where you see these personalities like a Bruce Arena, Landon Donovan, Robbie Keane, all these kind of these guys. And you see it even now, you know, they're going and buying Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Chicharito. And they have a standard of winning no matter who's there. And then that's, that's what they're going to go after. And I'm not sure I, I truly got that or appreciated it when I was first there. I recognized it pretty quick, though. And so that, that's something that's pretty cool. Um, not everybody gets to go into one of those environments. Um, and so to go in there and learn from all these different personalities and, and players and coaches alike, um, I, I took something away from everything. I tried to take something away every day or, or every week or whatever it was, um, no matter who I was learning from or what I was noticing or anything like that. But I just try to, you know, use the cliche of being a, a sponge while I was there um, and having that kind of growth mindset that you can always get better, you know, not having that fixed mindset of stuck in your ways or anything like that. I had the ability to, or I had the opportunity to learn from some of the best to ever do it, especially on the U S soccer scale. Um, and, and I hope I, and I think I did, but I hope I took advantage of it to its fullest. <laughs> okay. Well, Hey, it sounds like you did. Um, most definitely. So you were in the low dose system, um, when you were a player and then you transitioned, I believe to Tulsa Roughnecks. Am I correct in saying that? Yep. Yeah. After after the year um, in LA, um, they decided to let me pursue other opportunities um, in my soccer career, and went on a couple trials during the preseason. But yeah, ended up in Tulsa for uh, their for their inaugural year there in 2015. So, what's like some of the difference differences between playing for like an MLS and uh, MLS two side, and then going to a team that's not only an independent club, but also an expansion team in its own right. Like, how was that experience? I mean, the experiences were, were totally different, but it, it, there was a lot of differences, but they, they weren't all negative, but it was just like there's some glaring ones where you go from living in Los Angeles to living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> you go from being part of one, of, you know, uh, a MLS club with countless resources to a team that obviously much more low budget at a, at a different level. So, there's some glaring ones that people, anybody can kind of come up with, but it, it, it just every opportunity that I've gotten, I've taken it as a new challenge or a new opportunity um, and tried to maximize it to whatever I could. And so to be part of a club or have the opportunity to get there and be part of a club in its first inaugural year and see the excitement that some of the city had at that point um, – was really cool and there was a history about the, the the Tulsa Roughnecks that I had no idea about um that they had played it was a team that had been around way back obviously before kind of I was born and stuff um that when I got there I got to learn and and so that was a really unique experience to be able to learn about that and then you understand like it means a little bit more to the city when it when it has those kind of ties to it rather than just being a fresh team in a new city kind of thing so mm, yeah well, that, that's true. Um, so we're going to talk about, like, your playing the time. Now we're going to talk about your playing time in Ottawa, uh, Penn FC, and Tucson. 
you know, what was your first initial thoughts in each of those cities? And, you know, how was it playing against Richmond while you were playing for those clubs? Yeah, uh, with every, with each one of those three clubs, I did get the opportunity to come, to come play in Richmond. Um, I loved Ottawa. Ottawa was a fantastic city. Um, great people. Um, to be honest, if it was up to me, uh, I didn't want to leave. Um, I really enjoyed it there. Um, and, and I, I thought, you know, it was a place that I really enjoyed being while I was playing soccer professionally. Um, but ended up moving on from there um, and went to Penn FC in that, in that year. And so that was a really unique experience only because um, they were going, they were trying to embark on this new vision with a partnership with Capelli Sport and Rush Soccer. And they were trying to basically put Penn FC, what was formerly the Harrisburg City Islanders, at the top of this pyramid and basically making all of Rush Soccer the bottom of the pyramid. And Rush Soccer is a massive youth club that's in pretty much every state and in 20 or 30 countries around the globe. And so, as well as Capelli being a very, you know, big sports brand in certain areas of the world as well. And so their idea was to have that kind of a structure. So it was a really, the vision of it all was really cool. And, and, and so when I got there, um, you know, it's not, it's not a knock on Harrisburg. I think people would even tell you that they that they live there. There's not much in Harrisburg. Um, <laughs> Other than being the capital of Pennsylvania, there's not much there. So the city itself was was not the greatest, but we had a really good group of guys. Um, and, and any professional or any team will ever tell you, if you have a good group of people around you that you enjoy being around, it'll make any situation better. And so the people I lived with, it's, it's my teammate, it's all that kind of stuff. You know, we made the most of it. Um, you know, the team didn't have the success that I thought we could have had. But we made the most of the year as far as just as a total experience. Um, and then fast forward into Tucson last year where I got to be, got to be with Darren. Um, and, and that was an amazing year as well. Um, obviously being on the West Coast, closer to home um, in Colorado. And um, just being, on, being able to embark on this new opportunity that League One was going to offer everybody um, was another really cool thing. And then, so yeah, fast forward all those three years, you know, to play in Richmond, um, yeah, enjoyed it every time. I think five or six times I've, I've had the opportunity to come to City Stadium here in Richmond. Um, I think I've only won one of those games. So my record personally is not the greatest as an away team. Um, and so, um, but the atmosphere um, was always was always great. Um, the Red Army was was always in that corner, um, so that was you always had them in, the, in your ear um, when you were defending that. Uh, not sure which direction it is as far as uh, cardinal directions, but <laughs> on that side of, at that side of the field, um, and I mean the field's one of the best in the in the league, um, and I think it's you know being here now and, and, and talking to people, I think it's something that with a successful season, I think you could easily see attendance just skyrocket and that stadium would be, would be packed. And that's what we're aiming for um, this year. Um, now that, now that I'm part of the home team. So, <laughs> well, hopefully we can improve that record for you instead of stadium. 
Um, See, just, that's, the, that's the away team. That's not uh, as the home team. I'm I'm, I'm zero and zero. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, there's no there is no record. That's you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right on that. So I have like two quick questions about this. Um, at Ottawa and Penn FC, obviously two clubs that are no longer existent. I know at Ottawa they have Atleti Ottawa or wherever that's pronounced. Um, uh-huh. Do you feel any close connections to seeing those two um, clubs gone or anything? I had a closer connection to um, the Ottawa uh, situation than I did the Penn FC one. Um, Like I said, I spent two years in Ottawa, so I got to know those people a lot more um, within the organization of uh, OSEG, which is Ottawa Sports Entertainment Group, which is the one that operates the Ottawa Fury, the CFL team, the Red Blacks, and then the OHL team, the 67s. And so... um, getting to know everybody there was, you know, everybody in and out of that organization, you know, from the ticket sales people and all that kind of stuff. I knew how much they loved the theory and then just the people around, you know, downtown, the city of Ottawa and then just the, the metro area. Um, they really did love it. And so to have soccer politics take that away for a short, you know, for a short time, it seemed was, it just didn't sit right. Um, and so I was, I was ecstatic. You know, it might not be the fury, which I know some people are a little still a little salty about, um, but it's still professional soccer in the city of Ottawa, which the the kids in the community deserve. And so, um, as for Penn FC, it, it their vision, I just don't believe they had the infrastructure to fulfill it. Um, as far as what they wanted to do with Capelli and Rush Soccer and things like that, it was a big vision. Um, they definitely shot for the, you know, shooting for the stars um, on that one, and, and it just it just didn't come to fruition um, for, you know, probably a, more reasons than I have the knowledge of. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, definitely closer to Ottawa in that whole sense. Okay, okay. Um, so, going to your last location, you came from us on a free, thankfully, from uh, FC Tucson, and your coach there happens to be the coach here in Richmond, Coach Darren. Um, can you just describe him in three words for us? Uh, yeah, he is, he's passionate about what he does. Uh, he's a winner, and and he and he's caring about anybody that is around him. Mm. Um, you know, he definitely once you're once you're part of part of who he is. So if you're part of his team or or you're on his staff or his organization you're part of his family and he definitely takes that to heart. Um, and he means it every time he says it. So. Okay. Okay. So another question I have for you before we get into our listener questions, um, you play as a defender, but how in the world do you have so many goals in your career? Um, you know, part, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, you know, preparation, um, you know, game plan, natural ability, uh, teammates, you know, putting the ball in the right place. Because, I mean, obviously most of my goals come off set pieces, whether it's uh, corner kicks or wide free kicks or anything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. There's not really, like, any singular reason. Um, but, you know, uh, any way that I can uh, – help the team that's that you know i'm i'm fully confident and to be in those positions but yeah there's not really one answer for it all it's just i'm um, happy to be able to do it um 
you know, if it helps the team. So I was going to say, so you're almost like the Sergio Ramos of USL League One, just score and win and however you can, huh? You try to, yeah, you try to, man. It's uh, yeah, like I said, every every week there's no easy games, and, and you know if that means the you know your your number nine scoring the goals, if that means you know your center back scoring the goals, your right back scoring, or you know whatever. I mean, it's a full team effort every every week, um, and so whatever way you can get that, um, you know, set pieces are a huge part of the game, um, and it's and so um, I know something that that Darren. Uh, really tries to drive home as being net net positive on set pieces. Um, so obviously scoring more than you give up. Because if that's the case, I think you're going to win a lot more games than you lose. So, okay, good. Um, so we have a couple of listener questions for you. Uh, the first one comes from Richard Hayes. He's the leader of the River City Red Army. You know the guys that be sitting in that section just yelling. Gotcha. Weird yep. stuff. Um, you know, he, he said you play for a lot of teams. Is there any place that you consider to be home? And what was your first impressions of the city of Richmond when you came uh, in the off season? Uh, you know, I think you could hear my answer in my voice. Uh, Ottawa was the closest that it came to feeling like somewhat, you know, like a homish feel. Um, not sure any place has really gotten there, um, but Ottawa got the closest. Okay. Um, and then my first impression of Richmond, um, the city, I mean, I've I really enjoyed it, man. I, even just being here for the couple weeks that we've been here, um, you know, I've been able to get down into, you know, the fan, um, Cary, you know, Cary Street, um, Scott's Edition, and, and there's just a really cool vibe, um, kind of no matter where you're at, you know, definitely like kind of the, the, the food scene, you know, different coffee shop, I'm a big coffee guy, so finding little places to go and hang out. Do you have a favorite um, place so far in the city? Oh, I've been to a couple. Um, I just went to Sugar and Twine. Okay. Um, and I thought I've enjoyed that one probably the most. Um, it has some pretty cool, really good baked goods right there. I, I got a brownie with my coffee, and it was amazing. So, <laughs> But I think that's a little more prisoner of the moment because it just happened. Um and it was a really beautiful day, um, and Cary Street was really fun. So, I'm a I'm a prisoner of the moment in that sense, but I really enjoyed that one. It was really cool. Okay, okay. Uh, well, since you've been hanging out in Richmond, any other food places that you like so far in the city? Um, I haven't been able to get to too many places. I have kind of a list that I want to get to. You have a um, list. Well, yeah, you, you know, you win every time, like, I, I've had the, you know, I've, I've switched cities, you know, so many times, and when you, you do sign for a new club, like, all right, what, you know, what do people do there? Like, what are the best food spots? Like, okay. and things like that, and so, um, and then as you're here, you know, guys that have been here, they'll tell you, like, oh, you gotta go check this place out, you gotta go check this place out, or whatever it may be, um, so I got a few, I got a few, it's not a really long list so far, but I got a few that I want to go check out, I've heard Soul Taco's really good, I need to get over there, mm-hmm. um, and there's some other ones that I've either coming across social media or whatever it is, but I've been like, eh, it sounds good. You know, I might need to try that. Okay. Okay. Um, so. so this one comes from Jason at League One Fun. Um, he wants to know what are some of your favorite books that you read and podcasts that you listen to? And he says, you cannot name my podcast because you are currently on it right now. Wow. Um, <laughs> dude, I got a box of books in my closet right now um i'm a big i'm a big reader and and podcast person just because 
and, and they kind of play off each other because I get a lot of my book recommendations off of the podcasts that I listen to. <laughs> um, a lot of the books I read are kind of like you could, in a broader sense, you could, you could tell, you could call them sports psychology books and, and leadership books and things like that. Um, but I think that's painting with too broad of a brush. Um, one of the best books I've ever read was Relentless by Tim Grover, you know, the guy that trained Michael Jordan and, and Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade and these guys. And he just talks about the levels of competitors they were and this and that and what all went into it and their mindset and things like that. I love getting insight into elite athletes that have done it at the highest level um, and, and things along those lines. Um, and so there's so many. Um yeah, I mean, shoot, I, I, mean I, could, I could get the box down, but it's kind of heavy. Uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of books in there. Um, you know, I do want because I do want to accumulate books like that and kind of have my own little whatever tiny library of those kind of books that I can always go back to and, and and go through. I just finished a book which I think is one of the best leadership books I've ever read um, by Bill Walsh, and it was called "The Score Takes Care of Itself," and it basically basically what I was talking about with control, what you can control. So if you control all the little things and you dial those in every single day and you have this high standard of performance every single day, the final results, AKA winning and success will take care of itself because you've taken every variable out of play that you possibly can. And so you're going to definitely win more than you're going to lose. So that book was unbelievable. Um, podcasts that I've listened to, um, ones that I kind of normally subscribe to. Let's see. There's one called uh, the Talent Equation Podcast, podcast by Stuart Armstrong, which is awesome. There's one that's Way of Champions Podcast by John O'Sullivan, which is awesome. Um, let's see. There's one. I'm not sure they keep going, but it was this guy named is Eric Zimmer. It's called the One You Feed. It's basically the story of like you have two wolves you know, good shoulder, bad shoulder, and whichever one you feed is basically what's going to run your life. So if you feed think, feed your life with negative stuff, you know, your, your life's not going to seem very fun or anything like that. But if you feed it with positivity and, and those kind of things, um, you know, getting challenges, meeting challenges, all that kind of stuff, you know, you're, you're definitely going to have a more successful life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm always I'm, – I'm always, another one is called the Sports Psych Show. Um, by Dan Abrams, which is uh, which is an awesome one as well. So there's so many different ones. Um, like I said, a lot of the podcasts follow the same kind of books that I read. Um, you know, some of them have coaching aspects to it. Some are just mentality, um, all that kind of stuff. It's you know, like I said, I'm I can constantly trying to pick the brain of anybody that's willing to tell me anything. So <laughs> um, a lot of those, you know, the books and the podcasts kind of run with each other. So. Okay, okay. I respect it. Um, so we got one more listener question from uh, a good friend of yours from FC Tucson, uh, Stefan Hernandez. He asks, what's one thing that you enjoyed about last year was your leadership? One thing that he enjoyed about you last year was your leadership on and off the field. Um, are there any plans for you in the future to translate that into coaching? And what is one club that you would love to coach one day? Short answer is it is a hundred percent that I'm going to get into coaching um, when I'm done, and um, that you know I'm going to be 29 here in March, and so um, congratulations! I, coach- I just turned 29, yeah. so 91 uh, babies, you, you know we're here. There 
we go. Um, yeah, a couple weeks here. Um, <laughs> it's gonna, it's coming about. So, um, but no, coaching is, is definitely on my horizon. Um, I've had, um, you know, back in Tucson there, um, you know, off the field last year, coaching in a community is always something that I love to do and coaching with kids and stuff like that. But, um, the niche that I do want to get into is college coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an age group that I think I can have a big impact in as well as I just, I think it's something I really want to be a part of. I love the college atmosphere and there's just that time in people's lives and, 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 you know, you're basically, you're an adult, you're not a kid anymore type thing. And, and I really love that about it. Um, and so last year in Tucson, I got to, I got to volunteer coach at, um, be a volunteer assistant at the U of A, um, with their women's team, Ooh. University of Arizona. And, and, it was such an amazing experience learning from their staff and, and being around the girls. And, you know, I, I before that, I, I didn't necessarily know if I wanted to coach, you know, the women's side of the game. But after that, it, it frankly doesn't matter to me as far as women or men. I, I love both sides of it. I've had an enjoyable experience um, doing both. And so that was such an eye opener. It was awesome to be a part of. Um, so coaching, 100% club. That's a tough one, uh, only because I don't know where coaching is going to take me. Um, and especially being part of, you know, with my aspirations being in the college game, um, that's so drastically different than coaching in the professional side of things. Mm-hmm. And so um, we'll see. Um, if I were going to coach somewhere, I'd love to coach, you know, here in the U.S. just because it's something that I know and. I'm very familiar with the landscape, even as it, as it continues to change, because I've been able to be at the championship level, the League One level, um, you know, even playing PDL over the summer, which is now League Two, um, and, and having some MLS experience, you know. So somewhere here in North America, you know, it'd be, it'd be cool. Um, but that's, that's so far down the line that I, I can't even really grasp it or give you a good answer on which club. So... <laughs> Well, man, um, I just want to say thank you so much for hopping on the show with us, man. Um, you know, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but I thank you so much for uh, hopping on here and wish you the best of luck this year. I really appreciate it, Ellie. I appreciate you having me and, and uh, happy to take the time to talk to you. I can't wait. Man, it's a long preseason, so, uh, you know, we're looking forward to, to getting to the end of March where we can get out on the field in front of our fans here at home. And, and uh, but... That being said, um, you know, team's taking it day by day, and, and we're trying to piece it together right now. Uh, but thank you very much for having me. Can't wait to be be at City Stadium and, and continue to see uh, see what Richmond has to offer. This episode of River City 93 is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And also... If you're tired of the same worn-out cookie-cutter designs and everyone having the same kit like MLS does, make sure you check out Icarus FC. They do everything. They design some of the coolest kits I've ever seen, I promise you. Uh, You can check them out at IcarusFC.com. Again, that is IcarusFC.com. And like we always say on River City 93, keep us on the good side.